Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. Today we're talking about psychedelics. So before we get into this episode, we just want to make clear that we're not advocating or encouraging the use of any illicit substances. Any of these psychedelic compounds should be approached with great care and a concern for safety at all times. Hmm. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, shall we jump right in? Yeah, sure. How are we going to start this one? This is a pretty big topic uh, for me. I would say that psychedelics are probably the number one thing that has influenced me in my adult life. Wow. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I guess, I mean... Maybe I'd say something similar. Like, I can't... I, like... It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to think of one, like, singular thing that I can say has, like, quote-unquote influenced me. Right. Like, whatever that means. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, well, it kind of it kind of, kind of changes everything. It does. Um, yeah, and, and, like, there's so many things about life that is just constant in flux, and you're always changing and growing and learning things. But something about the psychedelic experience being so immediate and unquestionable and drastic it's it's like a complete flipping everything on its head in such a short time span that it, it really forces you to embrace a serious change if you're yeah if you're if your mind is is in the right state to begin with that's a lot, true. A lot of people can can take it and not really. Uh, if if you know if your mindset isn't isn't a certain way when you start out, it's easy to to miss. That's absolutely true. Kind of, uh, like really, uh, all like kind of philosophical, like life altering stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one thing I will never understand is how people can use a psychedelic as a party drug. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's the same kind of people who would, who aren't like really interested in that in that kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's just, I guess, a very different mindset for me. And I've seen it. Yeah. I've I've seen people have really even positive experiences with the psychedelics, and then they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'm thinking about doing it next week too. That was a lot of fun, <laughs> fun." <laughs> I would never use the word fun to describe my experiences with psychedelics. Yeah. I mean, how, how how big of a dose were they taking? Um, the time I was just thinking about was not a huge dose. It was uh, truffles, which are pretty pretty lightweight. 
So, so mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about dosage. Um, so, have you had the the experience that some of the more valuable experiences have been when you took less? Uh. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean. I have, I mean, the most I've ever taken, at least like considering like tolerance, because I've taken two tabs two times. Mm -hmm. um, but the second time, my tolerance was kind of up. So it was uh, less less strong of an experience. I mean, mm -hmm. the first time was the one that just kind of like hit me a train, like a train that I wasn't expecting and uh, yeah. was <laughs> kind of half, <laughs> like one quarter good trip, one uh, three quarters, what most people would probably call a bad trip. Yeah. <laughs> like half of what people would call a bad trip. Um uh but yeah, I'd say I'd say probably like the most uh um yeah, the second time I did it when I only took one one tab. Uh I probably had the most like positive realizations about about just existence and life and perception, that kind of thing. Yeah. Me too. Um, I feel like when I've taken larger doses, the experience has... People talk about like pushing through, like people who do lots of psychedelics. Oh, this time I'm going to do five tabs. I feel like I'm really pushing through to something, some greater understanding. But to me, the more intense that experience is the more uh, that is the more of the substance you take the yeah it does floor you yeah it does push the the truth of the revelation harder onto you but at the same time the things it kind of points to and can teach you are so subtle things that to me it feels like it's more effective to take a small dose and to listen and see what you can learn from that experience rather than to try to take a lot and have it force you to learn. Yeah. I mean, I, the people who take large doses, I don't think they're trying to force anything. It's, it's more of like an exploration hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a wide variety of people using it in different ways but I, i've definitely heard language of trying to push through trying to reach some hitherto untouched height mm -hmm. which i i don't know if uh that works for for my approach yeah yeah i mean you're you're kind of assuming that it's the same epiphanies and the same realizations just with more force rather than just completely a completely different set of realizations and stuff that you would get mm -hmm. from yeah, the, yeah. The I, am, I am making that assumption although yeah I mean there's the whole Alan Watts thing about once you get the mes message hang up the phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then like I mean th then there are like people there are people like Ram Das who have done psychedelics like 200 something times <laughs> <laughs> and seem to have the op the, not the opposite very different conception of it mm. yeah i suppose it 
boils down to different people's physiology and and the way that they can interact with these substances. Mm-hmm. Some people are much more susceptible to some of the side effects. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it makes me think of what, what Terrence McKenna said about when he and his brother started, started experimenting with mushrooms, um, that they were looking for maps of the mind, mm. and that the, the mushroom was, was a tool to help construct those maps. And that does kind of remind me of a, a labyrinth where there's always something more to be explored, and there's, there's always different avenues to, to more fully reveal. Yeah, sure, I can buy that. So, Trevor, what would you say is the biggest takeaway or revelation that you got from psychedelics? Uh, well, I remember the second time I ever did acid, which was with uh, yours truly <laughs> <laughs> as, as my, my trip sitter, which was, was great. Oh, oh uh, my, mine truly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yours, truly yeah uh-huh. right yeah <laughs> Your, <no. laughs> me, me yours truly yeah i got uh, you. let me back up <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so i would say probably the second time that i ever did acid which is only the second time i ever did psychedelics uh, where eric was was trip sitting me and we were out at Chautauqua Park in Boulder, Colorado. And a uh, beautiful day. Probably couldn't have asked for a better day. Um, mm. Besides that there was a thunderstorm later. Which <laughs> <But, laughs> <Just> was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember that I had been kind of reading about free will and the illusion of free will a lot and thinking about that. And we were sitting on this hill looking across at these clouds and they were moving in like these time steps, these very distinct, uh, like there's an image, there's another image that's slightly different. There's another image that's slightly different, you know, um, kind of superimposed on, on one another. And um, you know, one kind of fades in as the other fades out. Um, I guess kind of classic tracer stuff, but it was happening in slow motion with the clouds. And, um, you know, everything was kind of swirly and it just reminded me of, of gears and that everything it was just kind of clockwork mm. and uh and the phrase i kind of had in my head was that the universe is working itself out just like uh if you're kind of working out some kind of logic problem or if you're in music if you're if you're like working out counterpoint mm. that it's it's all kind of uh the universe is just unfolding in this very clockwork way that's uh profoundly beautiful Wow. <laughs> and and tied up in that was was the idea that like each time step that the that I was seeing the cloud move in was like one uh packet of perception like that was the the present mm. moment. Yeah. And that's something you can you can feel and I actually um so that was in uh, yeah, that was in 2017 after that I uh I moved back in with my dad for a little bit. I remember there was, there was this book he had who I have no idea who it was by or what the title was. Um, but I was just kind of flipping through it one day and, and uh, the author was talking about 
what what people consider to be the present moment kind of on average hmm. and it's you know it's about it's about what i was witnessing it's like i don't know between you know one and a half and and two and a half seconds or something um hmm. and my kind of theory about that is that it has something to do with the, the heartbeat that when the the blood kind of pulses in your brain hmm. that that creates some perception of of like now now interesting wow now. <laughs> i i remember we talked about this in our time episode and you were talking about seeing time as discrete packets then mm-hmm. would you say the birth of that philosophy in your mind could be traced back to this instant with acid oh i think so yeah i don't, I don't remember thinking about it before that wow Yeah, same actually with, uh, with the the same idea we talked about of uh, of existence being a eternal continuous loop that we're all living our lives mm. in a loop. I I don't I don't specifically remember if that happened during an acid trip, but I remember it was uh, pretty pretty close after one that I had this year where I started thinking about that a lot. Mm. I don't. Um, yeah, that might have had something to do with that too. But yeah. Um, yeah, the nature of time has always been a key theme. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? How about me? Um, what was the biggest thing? Yeah. So I'd say the, the most profound thing was made painfully clear to me in the first experience I ever had with psychedelics, which was beginning of the sophomore year of college um where i took one tab of acid with a group of friends so i had been toying with this idea before i took the acid about how all of existence is rooted in perception that we we've already talked about that a bit um how you know i see therefore i am the uh, the conceptual landscape is represented by the physical landscape but that that the perceptual is sacrosanct it, it's necessary in order to have existence mm-hmm. and so then when i took the psychedelics it had the effect of forcing me to recognize my present moment that that I exist in this present moment and with that the most profound sense of significance of my own existence that that to exist is meaningful now I exist therefore my existence has value because because I could not exist there's that possibility but i do and so the fact that over the course of time there's a series of choosing to exist even if it's a random choice even if it's a flip of the coin but if there's a few of those that line up then it sort of entrenches itself into a pattern of uh sort of uh 
retroactively imbuing the existence with value. <laughs> does that does that make any sense? Uh, say the last part one more time. Um, it has the effect of retroactively imbuing the existence with value. What does the... Uh, let me back up. So, let me paint the picture a little bit. So, we take the acid, kind of hanging around. We're in a cabin up in the mountains in Colorado. We go out for a walk after about an hour. And so far, I'm... You know, what is this? I'm, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not even feeling anything. Uh, maybe my thoughts are a little bit strange. Uh, having some interesting... I remember looking at the ice that was packed onto the cement of the ground where the snow had been trodden down and just seeing this little sheet of ice over the cement and thinking that right there, that ice is like my social interactions with people. I didn't understand what that meant. I, I, I came to an understanding of that much, much later on. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe a year or two afterward, I finally understood what, what that had meant. Um, <laughs> um, but then we walk around, still seeing nothing, feeling nothing. Um, we go back, and that that's all I remember chronologically because then I remember sitting on the couch I'm on, on my own sitting on the couch and looking forward no longer in the physical space really I was looking into this space where all I was seeing was at first one spark one star in the middle of nothingness and that was a point of perception that was a a, a little spot of existence saying i am mm -hmm. and then there was another instant in time and by the way that one spark was not existing over the course of time that was a present moment right kind of like mm -hmm. your instances with the clouds mm -hmm. one discrete package that was for eternity that thing existed and then there was another eternity and it existed again and another and then there were several of them and they were all linking together to form mm -hmm. this like constellation um, and then that kind of snowballed into this colony and outward until there was like uh, what, I, what I swear I was seeing was like my own neural networks <laughs> see, seeing how see the synapses is connecting in my in my mind um, but but each point rather than being like a, a cell it was it was like an, this abstract notion of existence mm -hmm. and from that it's like my entire reality knitted itself back together around around that concept of existence um and and that each each moment each of those points could choose to exist or not to exist and i would see it happen i'd see some of them fade out and some some of them stay on and the ones that stayed on 
were more likely to continue staying on because um, it was like, oh, they're staying on because there's a reason to stay on, even though it was random chance at first that lined them up like that. And that, that ties back to what you were saying about, about you could not exist, but but you are existing there. Mm-hmm. And so that has to have meaning. That has to have value. Yeah. And, and for me, that was just the most gut-wrenching, um, violent realization. It was like the acid was showing me, oh, you were thinking about, oh, maybe you exist and maybe your existence has value. Oh, well, let me show you. It's true. This is real. Your, yeah. These little thoughts you're toying with. This is real. This is your life right now, and it's slipping away. And you have the choice to engage with it or not. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to trace because I, I don't remember thinking a whole lot about consciousness. Um, I don't know. Like, not even, not even after the first time, like the first few times I did it. I don't think I really started thinking about. Like the nature of consciousness until probably like after after we graduated, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people will say it's, it's like an accident of biology or it's like an emergent property that isn't isn't really doing anything. But I, I think it is like one of the most profound things about the universe, and and yeah. that that gives that gives it significance and that gives our our lives and our perception significance. Definitely. If you like, I'd like to read a short excerpt from my ACID account of that first time. So so, uh, the day after I took ACID, I went home early because I needed to recoup and be on my own. And I wrote an account of my experience. And this is a, a little section from that of what I was just talking about. Sitting on the couch... My entire existence becomes the singular point of perceiving, being in this moment. There is no further knowledge of the passage of time, and the details in my vision are reduced to the singular perception that I am here right now. This idea, this perception, is very completely and very definitely real. This is a fundamental truth. I perceive Therefore, I exist. It is entirely distinct from the physical world, as it is simply a thought, but it exists as a thought. The fundamental truth of my existence persists unwaveringly throughout the entire night and the next day as I write this. It has not gone away. By its very nature, its desire to exist, I do not expect that it will ever leave though it may become partially obscured by the slow return of my normal cycles of thought. Wow. So, so do you consider uh, the statement, I perceive, therefore I exist, that, that, that what you said? Yeah. Do, do you consider that different from the uh, Descartian, I think, therefore I am? Mm, it's definitely uh, an offshoot of the same mm-hmm. idea. Um, I, I, I think we can say that there there are some problems with i think therefore i am i mean yeah. especially with our understanding of thought as it relates to developing of uh, artificial intelligence 
yeah, just kind of language in general. You like you can perceive without thinking. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I like perception is really the only thing. Like it is the fundamental thing that we can be sure of, and mm. we can't be sure of much else other than that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, for sure. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, it it is just kind of uh, a miracle that that we're perceiving anything at all. It is. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's experiences like like these that I've learned from psychedelics to appreciate spiritual experiences. I, I can understand what would lead someone to fall down on the ground in prayer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so maybe, maybe I can talk about the first time I, <laughs> yeah, please. I took a psychedelic. So, um, yeah, because it was definitely very much in that in that vein. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I, just, I guess just a little background on, on kind of my spiritual, uh, on my, my spiritual journey, for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds like kind of cliche, but whatever. whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, my mom is like, uh, my mom is an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. And so I grew up going to church every Sunday at a Methodist church and it was a youth group and stuff. And Pretty much by middle school, I you know I was on board with the whole thing, and and then near the end of middle school, I was I was kind of getting more skeptical. My dad is uh, he probably considered himself either agnostic or an atheist, um, although he <laughs> slight tangent I guess, but he was he was the music director for a while for this uh, this kind of new agey place called the Sierra Center for Positive Living that was uh, like church but very very progressive and and mm. like science and, and all that stuff um but i kind of had you know his influence and my mom's influence uh interacting um mm -hmm. not that they were either either of them were trying to actively influence me but you know <laughs> mm -hmm. um kind of there um and so yeah by um by the end of middle school and going to high school i basically started to become more skeptical of everything and i was willing to science and I read Cosmos by Carl Sagan at one point and A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking and uh, both of whom are very, you know, I would say about atheists. Um, and I pretty much continued that all the way, you know, through high school. Um, I kept going to church and, and mostly, uh, well, partly because it was community and partly because I you know, wanted to be with my mom and my sister. and. Mm. Uh, and then I started playing music uh, in church, which I feel like is was definitely something already at that point that I felt to be a pretty spiritual connection with people. Um, and then, yeah, and then it wasn't until my junior year of college uh, that I I uh, took acid for the first time, and uh, <laughs> 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 um, basically, um, so <laughs> the basic effect of which 
was that I became almost completely unsure of anything that I thought I knew and started to question almost everything that I knew. Um, and the way I kind of described it to myself immediately after was that I felt like a, like a newborn or something. I had to kind of reconstruct everything mm. from scratch. And yeah, yeah it, it made me much less sure that there wasn't anything to religion or, or spirit, spirituality or anything like that. And that there were, there are, you know, um, yeah, like who knows? <laughs> as, as Terrence McKenna said, uh, nobody knows jack shit about what is going on. <laughs> Still one of my favorite Terrence McKenna quotes of all time. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then I, that's, uh, so that was the fall semester of my junior year. And then the semester after that, I went to study abroad in, in England, in Manchester, and uh, was able to, to travel in Europe for a little bit after that. And, you know, ended up going to a bunch of churches with very, you know, ornate stained glass windows and all this really ornate artwork. And um, it just struck me that that, like, out of context, just looks so so much like what we consider psychedelic artwork mm. um, and just the intricacy of it and, and the uh, the idea that it's it's been kind of like recursively um, becoming more and more ornate over time um, mm. and yeah it struck me that there there was this very real parallel there between Definitely. spiritual religious experience and, and the, the psychedelic experience, which which a lot of people would say uh, gives us a, a real window into, uh, if, if not if not like the fundamental fabric of reality, at least the, the nature of our brain and mm. our existence. Yeah. I remember when I was in Europe walking around and seeing those old buildings I, at night after every time I did that, I would have the most intense, real, closed-eye visuals of these, like, undulating, fractal, th three-dimensional shapes, mm -hmm. which was so striking because normally when I close my eyes and go to sleep, I kind of don't really have any visuals at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting... How much of that is just kind of your self or <laughs> how much of that is your subconscious manipulating what's been what's been put into your brain by your senses mm -hmm. recently like you can you can see it yeah toying with it and and, and turning it turning it around in different ways yeah and it's it's so amazing to me though that there's certain things like these arabesque shapes that you have on all these old buildings that seem to resonate so deeply with something inside that they, that they stand out that way yeah yeah just just the idea of of a spiral or uh, i remember <laughs> i remember that that second time where you were with me i i had a page in my notebook where it, uh i wrote like the fundamental gesture and it was all kind of these mm. little like really things and uh -huh. like that is like the fundamental like aesthetically satisfying gesture and like you, you learn the same thing in, in counterpoint where you know you you don't want the line just to keep going up you want it to kind of go up and then down and like curl back around on itself 
yeah and, and <laughs> you know the, the golden ratio and all that and um, mm. yeah it's definitely all all interconnected mm. sound like a hippie <laughs> it's, fu it's funny because you you know you, you you grow up and like hippies you know you, i feel like you're you're exposed to the idea of a hippie like fairly early on yeah and, and and it's like this caricature and then yeah i mean at least for us like you get to college and and you're like wait is that that me right now <laughs> even though i'm not wearing all like the you know like the 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 flowers and the and the you know the the crazy colors and the peace medallions mm. and <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you one thing we don't smoke marijuana in muskogee <laughs> we don't get our kicks on lsd <laughs> <laughs> we don't make a party out of living like the hippies out in san francisco do about that white lightning <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> biggest thriller that that white that yep right there okay now that we've uh finished alienating half of the country from our listening base <laughs> we can just make this a super political episode <laughs> so here's the thing about donald trump <laughs> <laughs> Karl Marx had some good ideas. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so back to drugs. <laughs> I yeah, I'm curious how you think your experiences have influenced your relationship with with art and experience, experiencing art and creating art? Hmm. Not in a direct way, I don't think. Okay. Um, definitely, definitely in an indirect way. Um, something that I've gained from my series of experiences with psychedelics is uh, a sort of way of looking or seeing the world where I am aware of things in my field of vision and uh, of space and, and just the presence of things. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, no, no. I know. I know what you mean. Like, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what are objects? Kind of. And, yeah. And the relationship between objects and that, and that, like, everything, uh, is has like some aesthetic to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and then being able to look at a piece of work and lose myself, a piece of art, and whether that's looking at a painting or listening to music just to lose myself in that and allow that experience to wash over me mm -hmm. yeah that's actually i mean the times i've had before i was listening to music on psychedelics i feel like i i was so kind of uh 
wary or or kind of uh, just you know had a lot of thoughts buzzing around in my brain that uh, I couldn't really get to a place like that. Um, mm. But the, yeah, yeah, go. Ahead. But um, the uh, time before last when I <laughs> I decided to drop acid and, and uh, underestimated the dose <laughs> that I was taking. Mm -hmm. uh, for the time of day I was taking it, I got ambushed by this email from a uh, <laughs> from someone that I had to like respond to. And, Kids, uh, turn it, off it, your phone before you take acid. Yeah, or or <laughs> well, may, yeah, ma make sure that you <laughs> title up all your loose ends. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> in the in the middle of that, I was uh, I was listening to uh, part of "Deal Lost on the Comitorium by the Mars Volta, and I. I had this moment of of just complete concentration on the music and and the feeling that that's all I was in that moment. Wow! Without the thoughts, it was I. I was just the experience of the music. How was that for you? I mean, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty profound. I mean, I was immediately like, "Wow! I wonder how long this is going to go on." And then you know, <laughs> kind of <laughs> you're kind you kind of in and out of of like be, being aware that that's your experience and actually having it. Hmm. But it was, yeah, I, I, I had, you know, I've had, I've had moments like that sober for sure, where I was, I was experiencing the music, you know, and, and, and focusing on it more or less completely and not, didn't really have any thoughts in my other thoughts in my head, but mm -hmm. it, it just seemed so much more intense. Okay, cool. I've I've never had that experience with art on psychedelics. That what I described of seeing. That I think I learned how to see from the psychedelics, but I never actually had that sort of experience with art while I was on the psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I will say one of the hands down most uh bizarre and convincing like hallucinatory episodes i was uh listening to uh, a piece we discussed on our spectralism episode uh it's this boss acoustique by by Grise. and um somewhere in the middle of of listening to that i was convinced that what i was listening to was some kind of performance art piece with someone throwing up into a trash can and that's the that was like the sounds I was hearing. Huh. And I think that was uh, partially maybe me thinking about my first house trip when that's what I was doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe, but uh, yeah, I remember uh, my friend Aiden and I were, were listening to that piece, just kind of taking breaks and, you know, doing it like 30 minute chunks or whatever. And um, <laughs> I was like, is this still Grise? <laughs> <laughs> he's like yep because <laughs> 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 yeah because i never listened to that piece all the way through so there very could have it, you know it's a piece of 20th century music anything goes there very could well have been like just something like like i don't know the image i have in my head is like some kind of yoko ono like performance art piece. Uh -huh. uh. <laughs> <laughs> um i think it was just like read multiphonics or some kind of like letter timing <laughs> mm. um but something that came up at the, that same time was was 
the idea of art being condensed experience and that that's part of what makes it so profound is that someone for whatever time they're creating the piece like not not just the time that they're sitting down uh actually creating it but kind of their whole life up to that point and especially the, the period during which they're creating it gets condensed in whatever they create and then when the the person experiences the art they they get uh all of that kind of condensed down into into the, the, the relatively short experience of of experiencing the piece mm -hmm. and that's part of what makes it so profound wow that's a really interesting way to think about it i, I that, that makes sense to me yeah yeah especially yeah it, and it's especially for a piece like that uh lisa lisa spasa acoustique i think grise took like six years to write it because it's just such a gigantic thing mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah if you just think about six years of someone's life it's <laughs> yeah the the way i think about it is is the opposite of that machine from the princess bride where where you run the machine and it like takes a year of your life away <laughs> right <laughs> oh cool it's the opposite of that <laughs> wow by experiencing other people's life you're extending your own life yeah <laughs> it's really cool for enriching it I mean, yeah, I mean, and I would extend art to, you know, reading, reading things. Yeah, definitely. We're so glad you found the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you're getting something out of it. If you are, there's a few simple ways you can help keep this going. We hear that subscribing on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you're listening on is a really tangible way to help get our name out there. You can also leave a great review and share us on social media. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the second half.
almost two hour symphony. We watched just like the first three movements and then <laughs> and we're like, yeah, let's, let's take a break. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I was a little worried because if you remember that that time she she we did other bowls, she got like a headache and it kind of like uh, <laughs> like dominated the trip the, the experience a little bit. Mm. And uh, she started to get this like toothache, sinus ache thing, and uh, but it didn't it didn't really like it didn't turn into a bad trip for her, good. Um, which was good. Um, and uh, so yeah, what, she she was. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna ask what what was interesting about this experience. Well, it was the, it was the first time that I I you know been with someone who was tripping while I wasn't and uh mm. so I just got to kind of see it through through new eyes and um yeah I, I thought about you know what it would be like doing that with her for for a long time and um yeah I'm, I'm glad she took to it I, and she had uh she sent me kind of some of the things she was she wrote down um cool. yeah <laughs> but she was talking a lot about like witnessing thoughts turning into memories and talking about how like how, how can you be sure that the present moment isn't just like a memory of of the actual present moment <laughs> <laughs> i i could i could be getting that slightly wrong i, I tried to like wow talk talk get ex like like exactly what she meant and i feel like i kept slightly misunderstanding it but it was, it was something like that <laughs> that's that's she, fascinating yeah and then she said it was stretching like taffy yeah, there's kind of that experience often of like comparing it to sensorial experiences that seem completely random, like like tying random physical experiences with these highfalutin conceptual ideas. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by that? Oh, like for example, the ice in my first experience. Like looking at that and just like that that physical experience of ice on concrete and saying, oh yeah, clearly this is the same as my social interactions with people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every, everything's a metaphor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that goes along with like your brain being able to make connections that it didn't that it wouldn't have made before. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, she was also talking about how her mental images were all in terms of of connective tissue. Interesting. Do you know yeah. what she meant by that? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. I think I think it was something to do with with like the visuals she was seeing on the on the ceiling. Just kind of she described it as like lace, kind of like different layers of lace, like mm. intersecting, kind of thing. Um, uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, fabric has been uh, a potent metaphor that I've mm -hmm. seen while on psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I have a whole lot <laughs> there, but I, th I just thought I'd mention it because it's like so recent. Yeah, yeah. It, so it's interesting you mentioned the the half tab because one of my early experiences, I think the second time ever which was on mushrooms uh, maybe a year or so after the, f the first time, second or third time. I, I get the timeline a little mixed up here because this was, 
I took a very small amount with my friend in Seattle and he, after a couple hours of walking around, decided that nothing was happening. It sucks. I'm not feeling anything. I'm going to go to bed. And so I'm, okay, I'm going to keep walking around out of here yeah. a bit. And I remember looking in uh, into the trees at night, and it was really foggy out, and there are the street lamps with the big cones of light in the fog. It was mm-hmm. really magical. And while looking at the branches, seeing my eyes, like everything went very foggy as, as if I was unfocused and sort of scanning and scanning, but I felt like something was coming. And then suddenly everything popped into very intense detail. I could see all the contours and lines. It was very vivid imagery. Which mm-hmm. I thought was beautiful. Um, mm. I then was walking around the streets, and there were like plants all along the side of the roads. And I kept walking, and then slowing down and stopping. And I'd start going and I'd stop. And then I'd, I'd be thinking, "Where am I going? Why do I need to go anywhere? I'm I'm right here where I need to be. <laughs> this is this is it." Um, and looking at the plants seeing them as conscious entities each one an expression of existence it's just there it's just saying i i'm here i exist and just feeling that in a very meaningful way and and so so why this is interesting to me is that it was such a small dose so much that my friend said he didn't experience anything at all but to me it was an opportunity to allow the experience to happen through attentiveness and patience, I was able to glean these really valuable insights. Uh, but it was it was a, a small dose that allowed me to do that. Right. Yeah. Whereas I think a larger dose would have bowled me over, and I might have missed some of the subtler details. Yeah. Yeah, a smaller dose makes it a little bit more like a tool that you can use mm-hmm. instead of like uh, some people have described it as like a like a rocket that you're strapping yourself to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at least if you know if it's if it's smaller, you can kind of at least guide it a little bit. Yeah. More and more. and I think it's easier to retain met, uh, things from it afterward because I think if mm-hmm. you have a large dose, well your revelations might be drastic and immediate. The The mental state that you're putting yourself into is so uh, separate from the one you were just in and will about to be in that it's harder to retain things across that, that barrier. Yeah, and I think, I think it also has something to do with the way language kind of breaks down at a certain point. Yeah. Like I remember the first time I did it there was <laughs> there's just like no way to, to even ask what's what's going on and or you know even ask what's going on let alone figure out what's going on and be able to like put it in words <laughs> yeah i've always had profound difficulty trying to speak and communicate well on psychedelics yeah 
yeah, it kind it kind of puts you puts you in a state that's that's like pre language, kind of going back to to the the baby metaphor. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it it kind of gets to that layer that's underneath. Yeah, it's immediate. It's seeing what is really there because you don't have the language structure to contextualize it and justify it and put it in a box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because language kind of divides things by by nature. It does. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this a lot, but... Um, I forget if this is actually Terrence McKenna, but I, it's definitely a lyric on that contortionist album. Uh, <laughs> the idea that we are the language. <laughs> ever flowing, ever echoing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that mean to you? <laughs> uh, that, that was, that was a, one thing that didn't come so clearly to me immediately. That was like the one concept in that whole album that I didn't totally just like, oh, I get exactly what they mean, <laughs> which is cool because it's like the titular concept <laughs> mm -hmm. of that album, Language by the Contortionist. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, I s sort of came to understand that as referring to Terrence McKenna's concept of how language is an abstraction from the truth where you know no exact word means the thing that you're trying to say exactly mm -hmm. you just sort of find something that approximates it and somehow we magically can understand each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> despite that um, but then to, to to extend that to say that's all there is all of existence is just abstractions from the perfect truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you can, you can, uh, like if, if you have a table in front of you uh, and you ask yourself what the table actually is, mm. um, <laughs> keep saying the, the sounds with your mouth, table, <laughs> but. Uh -huh. And you can like describe the, the parts of the table, but those are just more sounds that you're making. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you can't actually describe what whatever uh whatever it is that's that's underneath. Um mm -hmm. and I have to admit, like I you know, I, I've heard people talk about that a lot and I accept that it's true, but part of me is still has a little bit of a problem with it. Because you can explain like the parts and how they all fit together and what its purpose is and uh, mm -hmm. And I feel like that kind of does a job of explaining what a table is. I mean, it's still still using words, but it's pretty darn close to, to describing what it is. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Pretty darn close. Yeah. And like yeah. somehow we have this way of looking at something that's pretty darn close and understanding that what it's actually referring to is the thing that it's pretty darn close to rather than the the jumble of words that it actually is right right Which I, I don't understand how that works but it, it apparently works yeah <laughs> sometimes anyway yeah well well yeah terence mckenna also said that that language is a double-edged sword mm. 
and I, I always come back to this analogy he gives of, of going to the jungle and, and when you get there, it's just all green. It's all this one color. It's just this one, you know, massive things that you can't distinguish. And if you go there with a guide, they'll point out the different plants to you and they'll start to be able to distinguish those with, you know, with names and language. And then you'll also be able to visually see the different colors of green and realize that there's, you know, lots of different distinctions you can make with language that, that help you see things more richly and in more detail. Mm. So it, like it, it divides things, but it also uh, can help you uh, see things in a more complex and nuanced way. Yeah, well. Yeah, I guess part of that is not taking yourself too seriously or, or rather not taking the meaning of any sentence or word too literally. Yeah. Yeah, or, or getting caught up in like semantic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so that story you mentioned about your your friend with, with the small dose of mushrooms, that, that reminds me of the only the only time I've done done shrooms with uh which was with our, our mutual friend Alex White from, mm -hmm. from CU. Yeah. And uh yeah, and I was back. I was back in Boulder visiting my mom, and it was, it was like Christmas time or whatever, and uh, we uh, we got a hotel room because we didn't want to be at like at our parents' place. So we uh -huh. were just like hanging out, and we went for uh, like a walk outside and uh, and you know listen to music and stuff, and uh, and that was the first time I ever. That was the first time a piece of music ever made me cry, mm. <laughs> just from. The, the the pure beauty of it not not because I had some like nostalgic or romantic association with it mm. and which piece of music uh it was uh uh Bonnie Bear's 22 million the the uh we had listened to the whole whole album and the last track uh was the one that kind of did me in uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I, <laughs> a really funny thing is, is I was actually mishearing the lyrics because um, the 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 actual lyrics are I think it's uh, it hurts me it hurts me it hurts me um, I'll let it in but what I heard was it haunts me it haunts me it, it haunts me mm. and and the way I, I thought about that was was just like the profound beauty of of the universe uh -huh. kind of and the fact that it's that it's there and just that it's so beautiful mm. haunting wow. <laughs> and yeah <laughs> and there, there's been one other time since then that it wasn't under the influence of anything that was during uh i think maybe i mentioned this at some point but during bernstein's mass when that got performed here mm. and there was like so many people on stage and it was just like complete chaos. <laughs> like, <laughs> can't believe one person thought like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. As an aside, I'm curious, when you say you cried to the music, was it like tearing up a bit or was it like tears streaming down your face? It was like, it was, it was like sobbing. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it it's not the hardest I've ever cried, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it it wasn't just like you know, 
uh, I'm just like, you know, my face is just, you know, still and there's tears. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, you know, it, like, I, you know, I let myself do it because it's, you know, I didn't like hold back because that's yeah. kind of the, the point. It's just to let it, let it happen. But wow. yeah, that's beautiful. I really respect you to be, to be able to let that out. Yeah, I'm really curious what the the next decade or so is going to hold for for psychedelics. I mean, it's already it's they're already being semi-legalized in like Oakland, at least mushrooms, and they're kind of regaining. They're they're losing some of the stigma that they had. Yeah, it's a slow and treacherous progress coming back from from that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, there's started to be i think a lot more openness towards them in public opinion as well as in academic and literary settings yeah yeah and then a lot of like tech companies there's there's microdosing yeah <laughs> how, how, how do you feel about that <laughs> um i i've heard mixed accounts of people using uh microdosing I, I've definitely heard first-hand accounts of people who said it, it's a really good experience that has enriched their lives and helped them uh, through emotions and to appreciate life more. I've also heard accounts of people who it what made them feel, or I've heard at least one account where someone said that they were starting to lose touch with reality and starting to go a little bit manic so that they had to stop. Huh. I think an important thing to recognize if you're considering doing microdosing is that if you are having a recognizable psychedelic experience, you're not microdosing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The point is to do so small amount that you you can't perceive directly that you're doing it yeah yeah and it's supposed to be like a tenth to a 20th of or i guess a 20th to the 10th of a dose right yeah something like that yeah yeah i also want to get like how if people do it regularly how do they not just build up tolerance like really quickly yeah i don't know i guess uh, i don't I guess know the physics of that I've been thinking about trying microdosing. So So where I am right now with psychedelic use, it's it's been a very profound and meaningful part of my growth as a person and I think that there could still be more I could learn from doing or, or, or gain or grow from doing it again uh, but I haven't done it for years and I don't int intend to do it anytime soon mm -hmm. and that's because after the last couple times I had the experience of unraveling and of taking on damage beyond what uh, the experience 
gained for me. I don't know if you wanted to go into more detail about that. You know, you don't have to. But. I, I mean, I'm happy to. Okay. Um, so while I feel like every single experience I've had, even the bad trips, has been a valuable experience and one that I can lo learn and grow from, there's always a cost to me, and I think to a lot of people. Uh, although it may take a while to catch up with you um, because the way I, as I understand it the the drugs work is they sort of attack the prefrontal cortex and break down existing structures so then you can get these experiences of profound connection with the universe and all that and seeing the fundamental uh, nature of things as being all interconnected but at the same time, it is taking damage to your brain, and your brain is highly resilient and can grow and uh, heal itself afterward, and so that can be a really good thing, but you're, you are taking damage, and that can add up. Uh, I've felt... So, so after the last time I took psychedelics, it felt like... I was for, for months and months in this sort of slowed down state where it was extra hard for me to communicate with people, to understand what they meant quickly. Um, because sure, I, w I was having like a full understanding, I think on a deeper level than uh, the people were attempting to communicate, but Mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, it's it sort of felt like I was a uh, little bit underwater. Do you, hmm. do you know what I mean? I think so. I mean, I, I kind of have that. Maybe anyway, I, I don't really know if it started hmm. after I started taking psychedelics, but but pretty much anything anyone says, I can you know you can interpret it in, in at least two different ways, uh -huh. <laughs> and my brain is is immediately like, okay, which one is it? You're bad at this. Oh, it's no. probably the one you're not thinking. Of, you know, know. <laughs> that's so stressful. Maybe, maybe not. You, you know, as as uh, self-flagellatory as you're bad at this, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it. You know, it might not be your first instinct, and then you're like, oh wait. <laughs> yeah, that indecision, and then your mind yeah. goes into hyperdrive trying to work yeah. it out. Yeah, and I'm already like a pretty indecisive person. Mm -hmm. Um, and then e even beyond that, um, going back to the time before that when I did two tabs of acid, that was the same as your first experience, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, same, the same occurrence. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, that experience left me for several months afterward scattered. I, my, my memory was very poor. I kept forgetting things, and I, I lost my longboard because I went to do my homework, and I got a sandwich, and I sat under a tree, and I did the homework and ate my sandwich, and then I walked away. <laughs> so, so very absent-minded, forgetful, uh, slightly manic. And that lasted for 
months before it, it was able to knit itself back together uh, in, into my, 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 my cohesiveness. Yeah, no, I have definitely noticed that in the last you know few weeks or so, being a little bit more scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably also chalk that up to having having smoked weed daily for <laughs> that will also do a while, that. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how. I mean, that was like two and a half months ago. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, for me, it it lasts many months, if not longer. Um, and it feels like each successive time I've done it lately, well, not even lately, but the last couple times I did it, I felt like the the damage got greater while the experience uh, didn't necessarily give me more than the first time. Mm-hmm. If, if you were to do microdosing, what would be your your goal? I don't know that I would do microdosing. I think what I would actually do is just a very small dose, maybe a quarter mm-hmm. of a tab or equivalent in, in mushroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would like to have vividness of experience that that kind of experience can lend mm-hmm. of seeing the contours of the world and the the, the shapes and the, and the colors as being vivid realities. Mm-hmm. So I guess one thing we haven't really touched on is the idea of ego death. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I think I may have had something like that the first time I did acid, although I, I wasn't in a place to know what it was or, mm-hmm. uh, but I, <laughs> There was a moment where I, I got turned around from the group we were in and I was just trying to talk to this group of strangers <laughs> <laughs> and I was asking them, who am I? Who am I? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which, you know, close call because they could have just been like, let's call the cops on this crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think y'all were actually too far from me. So. Yeah, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember I, I asked Aiden about it and he's like oh yeah I saw you talking to those people <laughs> just like, thanks dude <laughs> yeah. it's like that was that was good <laughs> so I, I don't know I don't know if that that was a similar thing but um, mm. yeah but I do I the last time I did it which was just uh, I guess like a week and a half ago um, I yeah I had I had this moment of, of looking in the mirror and and just trying to concentrate on on sense of information ex- exclusively and to go and try to go into kind of a med- meditative state. I think I I think I might have gotten there. Hmm. I'm not entirely, entirely sure, but it did seem like everything kind of merged and it was it was just experience. Hmm. Yeah, so it's interesting that the psychedelic experience lends that that form of experience where you don't see the barriers between things and so you you do see the way that they are connected mm-hmm. and to me that brought me to the realization that my body 
is nothing less than the entire universe as seen mm -hmm. from this particular point in the universe yeah <laughs> have, have you ever ha had that sensation uh yeah yeah definitely I, and that's something i've i've had yeah not on psychedelics just like meditating i remember i remember we butted heads on that a little bit when you uh -huh. when you first did, they were telling me about that <laughs> i do remember that <laughs> cool and and i was like Okay, if you're the entire universe, like have that guy over there, you know, do do something, do something. Uh. <laughs> and uh, um, well, I mean, part part of what goes along with that. I mean, if if, if you think that that free will is an illusion, then like you can't even do that with your own your own body, really. <laughs> like there's not, there's nothing that you know. Um, and uh, and I'm I'm still at it, odds on that point about yeah. that language of free yeah. will but right but yeah but as, as i learned more about that kind of thinking um uh I, th I think it's one of those kind of zen paradoxes where uh either none of it is you or all of it is you and they're both kind of true at the same time you know yeah sure <laughs> like yeah like yourself doesn't exist and or <laughs> the, the whole thing is just you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I see it. Hmm. Um, yeah, I always think of, of, like, if you just imagine this wall with, like, eyes peeking out from it. <laughs> it's basically that, but there's just, like, a, a body shape instead of it just being flat. <laughs> Wait, what, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of the mental image I get. Huh. Uh, if I get into that place, like, I don't know, like, I, somehow I, I picture, like, this, uh, like, tubular structure, like, the inside of a blood vessel or something. I don't know why. Hmm. But, um, and there's, like, these two eyes kind of looking out down. Maybe it's kind of like an Alex Gray-influenced kind of thing. I don't know. Um, Alex... He's the artist. He did uh, the artwork for for, uh, for a lot of Tools albums. Oh, okay. You've, you've probably seen. Yeah, definitely without knowing what it is but um yeah um and that yeah it's, it's just these eyes kind of peering out of this just larger structure and just kind of fixed and not able to move around and uh yeah which, which might be influenced a little bit by um douglas harding's idea of, of headlessness mm -hmm. which i think maybe yeah we talked about that in the last episode yeah And, and that's your experience of ego death. That's how you yeah. imagine it. Yeah. It's, it's funny you should put it that way. I've had an experience looking in a mirror, which, by the way, um, looking in a mirror has been a source of touching back on some of the same realizations I've had on psychedelics where I'll have an experience of seeing myself and 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 that ties directly back into uh, as you were talking about uh in our last episode the idea that consciousness is something seeing itself seeing mm -hmm. and so I've had an experience looking in a mirror 
and seeing myself and and not not just my body or not yeah not just my body but seeing my consciousness seeing myself and at that moment that was all that i could see and my body began to fade away to the point where physically what i was seeing in the mirror was strangely enough my eyes and my mouth mm-hmm. and then i could see the like the flesh tone in that around that area but nothing else existed and so that flesh tone became extrapolated outward so it was like mm-hmm. i was looking at a wall of flesh with my eyes in it <laughs> that's kind of yeah that's, that's the image <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting because I think it sounds like a lot of the things we're talking about, we have something touching on the same kind of experience, and yet our interpretations of them seem to be sometimes polar opposites. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, which which connects almost exactly with that Alan Watts essay we talked about. Uh, few episodes back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Where he's talking about experiences of cosmic consciousness. Yeah. And how different people can look at that same experience. And one person says, I was huge. I was the entire universe. And someone else can say, I was nothing. I was no one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think speaks to our, our language's inability to actually capture what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And our, yeah that it doesn't really map onto the, the structures that we uh, would try to fit to it. Mm-hmm. We can then use impressionism to communicate. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, just like abstract notions that represent what we're perceiving or, or, or forms form abstract forms that represent what we're perceiving and so when someone looks at that form they can have a sense of what we are and what we're trying to communicate by presenting that mm-hmm. rather yeah, than but, but it, yeah rather than delineating like a logical pattern for someone to follow mm-hmm. Yeah, but better than saying nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> Although silence has its own place. Yeah, that's true. Which uh, it, it it goes back to, if you remember Dan Kellogg, uh, our composition professor, would sometimes say about how his composition professor would break music down into two categories, German music and French music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where German music was like functional harmony and very logical progression. One thing leads to another. That's why it's there. And French music is, uh, notes, colors everywhere, just vague impressions. Yeah. Yeah. German music also being like counterpoint, that kind of thing. Uh Uh-huh. Very, yeah, very structured. Exactly. Yeah. But then you can go listen to a, prelude by Debussy on the piano and totally get what he means you know Mm -hmm. even though there's no direct logic to it it's all just shapes Mm 
Mm -hmm. I will say one thing about my last trip that was pretty unique uh, was I went into it with kind of the goal of uh, curbing some of the, the addiction stuff I was talking about hmm. in the uh, uh, specifically around like the internet porn stuff. And I have to say it's been like pretty successful. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah, I've just just kind of yeah examining that. I, I like you know was doing some art like just writing some stuff and mm. uh, yeah I don't know like for a long time I've I've you know <laughs> you just read so much stuff about uh, oh yeah li life's about more than you know just like hedonism and <laughs> you know like it's about like accomplishing things and and you know uh, and you know doing hard things and, and hard work and all that stuff and kind of, kind of like we talked in our motivation episode it's hard to tease that apart from uh kind of the bs part of it of just keep accomplishing things you know yeah. <laughs> um uh but but kind of kind of what what that trip pushed me toward is it it you know is you know cre creating beauty and and uh like expanding human knowledge is is like the and and you know caring for people and, and just putting more love into the world is, is like, that's, that's what it's all about. And like, I, I, I already believe that at some level, but, but, uh, it, it pushed me more away from the, mm. the hedonistic side of things. Fascinating. I'm noticing a theme here with our experiences. Um, that's the third one we've mentioned already, at least where, the the profound revelations that we had were things that we were thinking about before we did the psychedelics and the psychedelics only served to show that they're that's really the truth rather than just being an idea that you're toying with yeah yeah and i've heard uh especially for people who are who are using these for for therapeutic uses that that uh it's often really helpful to kind of go in with a a, a question at least or a, some kind of motive to to focus on and at the same time be ready to just not have that be a mm -hmm. uh, uh, a component of it or you know don't don't tie yourself to to that being all you have to think about or something that like has to be answered but yeah you just have to if you can guide it a little bit it can it can uh, it can go a long way mm. So it's interesting. A lot of people will will caution that. Uh, oh, acid will permanently change your brain chemistry, <laughs> or like psychedelics will permanently change your brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. Which I think there's some truth to, but I mean, the, the common retort is everything changes your brain chemistry permanently, <laughs> or you know, everything changes your brain chemistry at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, I think both of us can attest to like there there there's all there's only like before and after. And it's it's hard to go back to before <laughs> at all, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, definitely. As more more time passes. Mm -hmm. It's just entirely. I I wanted to say revolutionary. That's that's one of the things that's so challenging about this is is to talk about psychedelics. It's such a huge thing and a huge part of 
one's experience, of my experience, where there's so many facets to it that the as much as you talk about it, there's always so, so much more that's quintessential to the experience, but that you just didn't have time to talk about. Yeah. 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 I mean, when it lasts for so long and you can have like, have so many thoughts, I just go through so many different kind of revelations mm -hmm. about things. And, um, and at the same time, like a lot of the things can sound kind of like platitudes or just kind of generic statements to people. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and you know that they're, that you feel them profoundly and and that they have such they had such an impact on you but it's really hard to express that the right way sometimes yeah that's the, the shortcomings of words again yeah. Yeah. after the first time i did acid when i wrote down that account which is uh you know it's an essay sized account that goes pretty in depth about a lot of ideas that were so important to me at that time. But for the next several years, that experience was so much on my mind that I was just trying to integrate that into my life, into my understanding of myself and my existence. It, it took years to bring in all of the elements and there were just so many more things that I didn't write down that first time that you know I would it would be a year later and I'd remember something huge and say oh that was so quintessentially that experience mm -hmm. and so important and relevant and it's taken me this long to even remember that it yeah. happened in order to yeah. integrate it into my yeah. life <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's something you, I don't know about you, but like you kind of think about it every day in some, in relation to something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the same time, like, I, I mean, not that you can't get addicted to them, but it, it's different than kind of like an addictive, comp compulsory way. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you don't feel compelled to do it again right yeah. off the bat. You, you or At least for me, I want months, if not years, in between each time I do it in, in order to allow that time for it to sink in, to integrate the experience. Yeah, yeah I think it's a little different for me, but just be. Yeah, I mean, everyone has their own yeah. tempos. That's something that we should probably mention. Mm -hmm. um, so kids... Um, <laughs> we do not endorse nor encourage the use of any illicit drugs or... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what he said. Or mind-altering um, And uh, this is purely yeah. for harm reduction. And... <laughs> yeah, all that. And, and also... <laughs> Psychedelics hit people different ways. Some people are so much, so much more susceptible to the effects and to the side effects that 
it is possible to permanently fuck yourself up by doing drugs. I've met people who I, I knew a guy who did acid one time, a normal dose. And when I met him, he was zonked out. He was spaced out and he told me he confessed that it was that time doing acid and from that point on he's constantly seeing everything in in fractals and it just makes it so hard for him to relate and to to live his life and to communicate damn so like you can you can fuck yourself up with this and uh unless you are absolutely sure of yourself that it is a thing that you want to do and a risk that you want to accept, then I would discourage you from using psychedelics. Yeah, yeah and if you if you have uh, yeah, you have certain mental disorders that, that can be uh, exacerbated by it, like schizophrenia or, or bipolar disorder, then uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, proceed with caution. Yeah, there's there's always so much more that I want to talk about, and maybe there's maybe there's room here for a part two and maybe a part <laughs> five. <laughs>